Well, last week we were on persevering, uh, persevere uh, amidst the trials, the temptations, the testings, and this week uh, we're still kind of looking at persevering, but we're going to be looking at persevere in the Word of God. Uh, there's power in the Word of God, and I really, uh, if if I don't do anything else this morning, I want to say to His church. We need to rediscover the power of the Word of God. We've got to get it back into center place and center stage in our lives and in the life of our church. There's things that can only be found and formed in us through the Word of God. And we need to persevere here too in the Word of God. I'm going to go straight to, to the Bible reading this morning, which is uh, James chapter 1, and then we're going to go uh, read from verses 19 through to 27. I'm going to read it all to begin with, and then we'll, we'll go back and we'll pick up some verses as we go. But let's read this together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so, is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently, that's the word, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, persevere, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Lord, let this word and let your spirit work together to plant deeply the truth of your word in our lives that it might take root, grow, flourish, and bear fruit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our generation, our generation of the church, this is not even talking about the world around us. This is talking about the church of Jesus Christ. I really feel needs to rediscover and reclaim and recenter the Word of God into our lives. It's not optional. It's not a pick and mix approach to the Bible, quite like this bit, quite like that bit. The other stuff I'd rather leave to the side. It is the Word of God, whether you like it or whether you don't. A pick and mix approach is not an option for us. We cannot ignore the tough bits because they're often the bits that are most needed in our lives. I, I, I sometimes ask my question, where, where do Christians go 
for wisdom and direction and truth in their lives. But not where should they go. Where, where do Christians go for wisdom and guidance and direction and truth for their lives? Because sometimes I, I, I'm not convinced we go to the Word of God. We, we pick all kinds of stuff up from all kinds of other places and they, they sound of interest and they fit with where we are. But we might not get stuck into the Word of God and say, well, what does God have to say about this here? All kinds of things that we might pick up from all kinds of other places. When I'm trying to figure something out in life, whether it's big or small, some big decision that has to take place or just the regular stuff of life, what's my first protocol? Is it just hoping that something falls into my mind and, oh, that'll solve and resolve the problem? Or am I plowing the Word of God? That, that's, what I, that's what I do. When, wherever it is, big or small, I'm plunging the Scriptures and I'm finding out what God has to say about it. What's God's perspective in this situation? What's God's perspective in this relationship? What's God's perspective when I'm trying to find a solution for something? What does God have to say about it? And having that intentional return to the Word of God as a center place of what God has to say to His people. So whether I'm trying to solve a problem or wrestle with an issue or find a solution, where do I go? I gotta go to the Word of God and plow it, mine it, wrestle with it, seek what God has to say to me about it. That's not a small, short, sharp task something we give him time to. What does God have to say about all of this? So let, let me re-read to you um, James 1, 22 to 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Here's the first thing I want to say this morning, church. We need to elevate God's word again back to its rightful place in our personal, individual lives and collectively as the church of Jesus Christ. We must elevate the word of God. Elevate God's word in your life. Choose it. Welcome it. Pursue it. Seek God in it. Hunger and thirst after God by going through the word of God. Become familiar with it. Let it be your daily spiritual bread not a snack. Prioritize the Word of God for your life. Prioritize. That is, when you have to make an action or a decision or you're looking for guidance or whether you're just asking, what is my life? How, how do I form and shape my life? Get to the Word of God. Make that your first point of reference for all of those things. Prioritize the Word of God in your life. Now, I'm not asking for a response here or a show of hands or anything like that, but I want you to just think to yourself, 
How much of a priority do you give the Word of God in your life? Is it your first place of calling, of going to, when you're trying to work something out? I've, I've seen me kind of, uh, so, something comes uh, to me, whether it's um, in relationships or in ministry or an email that comes my way, and, uh, and, and I, I could spend ages just kind of wondering what to do with that. And then it dawns on me, well, Ian, what does God have to say on this specific thing? Make, make that a priority. See what God has to say. So we elevate the Word of God in our lives by prioritizing it, making it our first port of call no matter what. And then we need to read and seek. Now, now I really mean seek. That, that's important. I'll come to what the Bible says in a moment, what we've just read. But that's different from a, a kind of casual casting the eye occasionally over the Word of God. It is seeking God and His Word. Know the Word of God. Wrestle with the Word of God. Now, that's an important discipline to wrestle with the Word of God, to get into it and really work through what does this mean and what does it mean for me or what does it mean for this situation? God, how does this apply to me? Wrestling with the Word of God for those actions, decisions, guidance, formation, purposes of our life. There's work involved in bringing the Word of God and elevating it in our lives. What is it showing me? You know, as I'm reading through the Scriptures, what is it showing me when I'm intentionally going there to, to find uh, an answer from God about what is happening in life? How is it challenging me? What is it saying to me? Has it illuminated some things in my life? Is it forming me or does it need to form me? Now, there's a little bit of a danger, I think, in the evangelical church. Um, I'm all in for devotional life. But the danger of the devotional life is it gives us devotional tidbits, little morsels, that make us feel a bit better about ourselves and about life. And we can chew them over in about 33 seconds and feel a little bit better about it. And there are times where that comes to us and we need it in a moment. But if that's all you're getting, all you're getting is scraps and morsels. Verse 25 says, but the one who looks intently. Now that, that's, that's a great word. I, the Greek word for that, which is what the New Testament was written in, means to stoop down and to have a good intent closer look to studying what it has to say. Not just getting a little tidbit, but instead to intently look. Not a momentary glance, but to study, to wrestle, to get into the Word of God, into the perfect law that gives freedom. So there's a connection between us intently getting into the Word of God, finding what God has to say, wrestling with what it has to say to our life, and moving into freedom. Rather than just hoping that our phone will ping at some time from one of our Bible apps and give us a verse from Joshua that will make us feel better for a moment. There's a difference between that and wrestling with the Word of God, stooping 
to study and for a closer look rather than a momentary glance that gives freedom. And it goes on in verse 25 and continues. So the person who does this, who continues to do this, not forgetting what they've heard. That's the problem about the momentary stuff that comes and it goes. But when you've taken time to get into the word of God and you've wrestled with it and it started to form you, you don't forget it. It's had an impact on you. Not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, putting it into practice, they will be blessed in what they do. There's a connection between this intentional wrestling, getting into the word of God, and moving into freedom and blessing. The word, the perfect law that gives freedom. There's liberation to be found in the word of God. Because God says things in there that change things in here that bring about freedom for us. Contrary to what many have believed, the word of God is not about restriction, but about liberation. And the word of God does things in us when we elevate it and prioritize it and wrestle with it and look intently at it. It brings about its own liberation. And then obey it, God says. Obey the word of God for your life action, for your life decisions, your guidance from God, your formation, your purpose. Do what it says. And you can't do what it says if you don't know what it says because you haven't wrestled with it and intently looked into it. So I want to encourage you, church, let's elevate the word of God in our lives. Let's prioritize it as a place where God brings about freedom and blessing and shows us what we need in every circumstance and situation and speaks to us in it to bring about liberation in our lives. Elevate it for your life, in your family's life, in your work life, in your social life, when you're wondering what to do in, this, in, in, in your workplace or in your social life or in your family life. What does the scripture have to say about it? You'd be surprised at what scripture might cast light on in your everyday lives, in the workplace and family life and social life. Now the book of James draws heavily on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and if you look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it has all kinds of subjects that it covers that we face every day of our life. And there's truth just in those few chapters in Matthew, from Matthew 5 to Matthew 8, that, that speaks about how we live from day to day. And really, James is drawing in all of that. You know, things like favoritism. How do you deal with favoritism? How do you deal with enemies? Where do you find wisdom? And um, how do we respond to wealth and poverty? What do we do about judging others or others judging us? Honesty, prayer, a divided heart, how we use the tongue. That's comes up, come up in this passage that we read, but I'm going to leave that for uh, uh, until we speak about it in chapter 3 because James will go on to talk about it there. But, but let me read a little bit from chapter 19 to 21 from James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That'd be helpful, wouldn't it? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 
And as I say, I'm not going to go into verse 19 in detail because we'll get to it in chapter 3. But it's an invitation. It's an example, a model of this listen and do. When we hear the word of God, when we listen, when we hear what it says, then we've got to do it. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Ian, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Generally, this could mean listening to others, not just waiting for your turn to speak again. You're not really listening to what the other person's saying. You're just getting your ammo ready to throw right back at them. You're not listening to hear and to understand. You're just waiting your time so you can speak. But of course, it could mean and does mean listening for God. Sometimes we talk too much and we need to listen. We have two ears and one mouth and we should use it in such proportion. Double the amount of listening as speaking. The posture of humility. Listening to understand somebody in your workplace or, or the person that you're most frustrated with in your family or in your social life. What, what is it that's going on that I can't understand that I'm not hearing? And then God, what is it I need to hear from you? You know, when I'm in one-to-one -one situations, I, I'm doing dual listening. I'm, I'm trying to hear what is, what is it this person's trying to say? How can I understand what they're going through? And then I'm saying, Lord, help me to understand and help me to hear what you might have to say in the midst of all of this. Listening, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Untamed anger causes chaos. Man's, humanity's anger. Now, now there are things that we should be angry about. There's stuff that's wrong in the world. But let's be honest, most of the anger that comes out of us is untamed. It's undisciplined and unregulated. It just, bleh, just erupts from us. Slow to become angry. Because quick to anger doesn't form us in line with the righteous life, God says. James writes, it doesn't align us with God's desires and the righteous life that he longs for. See, the effect of the word of God when we elevate it and prioritize it is that it will begin to show us what needs to be eliminated. Elevation will lead us to see what needs to be eliminated. Elimination. Lord, what are the things in my life that need to go? Show me the things that need to go. And then we'll discover not just elimination, what has to go, but activation. That the Word of God will activate things in our lives. It's like there's a seed planted and then it's watered and then it flourishes and it begins to grow and something new comes by the Word of God in us. Elimination and activation. Some things must be rooted out of our lives and some things must be planted in to our lives. Let's look at eliminate, first of all. Verse 21. Get rid. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And that is, how do we know what to eliminate from our lives that's not good? Well, we find in the Word of God, the plain Word of God. And sometimes it is very plain. Don't lie, don't cheat, 
Uh, don't steal. Don't take revenge. Don't hate. Sometimes it's the plain word of God and we just read it and we say, all right, I've got to do that. Uh, sometimes uh, Jesus, Mark chapter 7, talks about the fact that sometimes things that we do, the source of it comes out of our heart and we want God to eliminate it. Jesus uh, goes on to say in Mark 7, 20, 23, what comes out of a person is what defiles them for it's from within, out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So I'm say, God, what needs to be eliminated? I don't want my life to pour out all this kind of stuff. What do you need to do? The word of God shows me what needs to be eliminated. Or sometimes the word of God, it's not just the plain word of God, but sometimes it's like a mirror. I see myself in the word of God. And this still raises its head every so often. I, I used to be a terrible comparer of myself with other people. I don't know if anybody else suffers from that. But that tendency to compare myself with other people, other pastors, other churches, other guys, you know, that, that awful place of always comparing yourself to some other people. And so sometimes in the Word of God, it's like a mirror. So I, I read things like the story in Mark chapter 9, 33 to 35, where the disciples are on a journey with Jesus, and Jesus hears them talking, and he knows they talk, he's talk, they're talking about who is the greatest, and they're comparing themselves to one another. And Jesus intervenes, and he says, oh, what were you talking about? And there's an awkward silence. And Jesus says, listen, the first will be last, and should be a servant of all. That's what matters. Stop your nonsense and comparing each other. And I read that, and I think, oh, it's me. It's like a mirror. And it might not necessarily be the plain word of God, but I see myself in it. I think, oh, Lord, help me with that. The rooting out, eliminate, but also the planting in. There's a, there's a putting off of stuff, but there's also a receiving in. Verse 21, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. And this could mean the word of God about Jesus, about salvation. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing, Paul writes in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And we receive that, and we find salvation. We turn our life over to Jesus. And, we're, and that's, a, that's a saving moment. We're led into a new life and out of an old life. And the acceptance of this truth of who Jesus is, Lord and Savior, the receiving of it, the believing it, the embracing it, that's a saving act. It's a moment of salvation. Thanks be to God. That trusting in Jesus. But the word of God is planted in us to save us in all kinds of ways. And it's that allowing the word of God. In fact, eagerly desiring and seeking for the word of God to take root in us for our good and for the good of others. I wonder how many times the word of God that, that I've listened to and taken in and sought to live out, I wonder how many times that spared me all kinds of trauma and difficulty and unnecessary um, wrong or challenge or frustration or sin. It 
saved me in some way. It spared me. It guarded me against something else that was harmful for me. That word of God that penetrates our heart and our lives. The movement is that the word of God we receive, it penetrates into our life. And it brings about inner transformation as some things are eliminated and other things are activated in us. And that inner transformation leads to outward change and we live differently. Or that penetration of the word of God into our lives. Some of you will be familiar with this verse from the Old Testament. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Psalm 119. So we read, we invest, we intently look at the word of God. We receive it. We hide it in our heart. We make sure it takes root so that we don't go on to disobey it, but to obey it. And it forms and it shapes our heart as it penetrates our heart and life. Paul, in his letter to the church in Colossae, says, let the word dwell in you richly. Receive it. Take it in and then obey it. Elimination and activation. And when we take the word of God into us and when we really intently dwell on it, when we long for it to do its work, it activates new postures, new responses, new reactions, new concerns, new priorities, new practices, new patterns in our life. It starts to form us. And along with the work of the Holy Spirit, word and spirit begins to work within us and activates its truth in our lives and starts to change us from the inside out as we seek to put into practice the word of God. Word and spirit plants, waters, and brings to fruit the truth of what we read and what we see in this word of God. What I want to form in my life, well, here's just a few things. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, all of which is found in this. I'm saying, Lord, take this word. Let it rest in this heart of mine. Come by your spirit. Activate it within me so that it might change me from the inside out. Word and spirit working together, activating new things within me. The word and the power of the word of God. It, it activates discipline and honesty when we get into the word of God. Tightens a rein on my tongue. It activates integrity in our lives. Let's read the last part of, of the section of Scripture from verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein in their tongues deceive themselves. So, so there's a form of religion. We don't want a form of religion. We want the ways of the Lord established in our lives. And when the word of God is taking and doing its work within us because we're wrestling with it and we're seeking it and we're applying it to our lives, we're longing for it, we're asking the Spirit to activate it within us, we're seeking to obey it, then it starts to form within us a self-discipline that starts to keep a tighter rein on our tongue rather than lashing out. Why? Because 
We've read it. We know what we ought to do. We ask the Spirit to help us. We wrestle with it in the Scriptures and in prayer. And we're asking God to form that in us. The Word of God having formational power in our lives. And it goes on. Um, those who consider themselves religious don't keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted. There are other things that we should be doing if we're obeying the word of God. It's not just that the word activates discipline and honesty, a tight rein in our tongue, but it activates in his integrity, that we will walk the walk just instead of just talking the talk. That as we read the word of God, we will put it into practice. And there's a couple of things that James highlights to say, actually, this is more what true religion is like. Not religious, but religion that the Father sees as pure and faultless. And he goes on to talk about the word of God should activate within us Equity and parity, mercy and justice in how we live and how we treat others. And he gives two examples. He focuses on two vulnerable, often neglected groups in the ancient culture. He focuses on orphans and widows. And he says, if, if you really want to follow the ways of God, the religion, the spirituality that God says is pure and faultless, you've got to start taking care of those who are vulnerable. You've got to start taking care of those who've been forgotten, who are neglected. You've got to start thinking about equity and justice, parity and mercy to those who struggle and are vulnerable like the orphans and widows. These are examples of pure and faultless spiritual life. I mentioned last week that I came across an amazing commentary in the book of James by an African scholar. And Adewuya writes this, it is not, of course, that James intends that loving care should be limited to orphans and widows. Rather, they're mentioned to represent all those who suffer distress. The mandate to care for orphans and widows is rightly places, placed within a larger exhortation to be doers and not just hearers of God's word. James clearly advocates social engagement as part of Christian purity. In the church of Jesus Christ, there has been an unhelpful and unbiblical separation and isolation of evangelism, the announcing of the word of God, and social action, the demonstrating of the word of God. And so what's happened is traditions have gone in different directions rather than holding both together and saying God calls us in his word to both and, the announcing and the demonstrating. And James is saying part of our obedience, part of our to-do, our doing of the word, is in maintaining justice and parity and equity and mercy and being alongside those who are vulnerable and poor, or those who have not when we have so much, like the orphans and the widows in Bible times. 
but all kinds of people nowadays. And we don't have that separation between the announcing and the doing. We hold them together. And if we're not engaged in social action as the people of God and social transformation, in personal presence and ministry of compassion and mercy, if we're not also challenging and seeking to overturn systems and structures that keep people in poverty and vulnerability and inequality, then we have to ask, am I obeying the word? Am I doing the word? Have I allowed it to activate God's purposes in and through my life? For us to be doers of the word, we also need to think, what are our modern day widows and orphans and some of you are in fact already doing that and as we elevate the word of God and as we say that's going to form who we are it begins to penetrate and liberate our lives it begins to eliminate and activate things in our lives for our good and for God's glory. So I want to ask you, people of God, how intently are you stooping over, pouring over the word of God to seek its riches for your life, for guidance, for what must be eliminated and what must be activated, for freedom, for truth, for solution? for perspectives. How intently are you looking to the word of God? It's a call to elevate what God has to say in his word. Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. In this there is hope, life, salvation, blessing, purity, beauty, and power. I invite the worship team to come up There's huge temptation to neglect the Word of God. There's huge temptation to make up our own sense of the gospel of Christ and what the kingdom looks like. That's really not an option. It's the Word of God that we need to elevate into that place of forming who we are. And somehow Word and Spirit together shapes us. So let me encourage you. Let this word of God have shaping power on your life that we may live into the righteousness and the blessedness that God calls us into. Lord, together as your people, we thank you for the ways in which already the hearing and the listening to your word has brought us to faith or shown us a new perspective or given us new revelation, encouraged us, changed the way we live. Lord, we ask for more. Forgive us, Father if we have neglected this word, if we have diluted our lives with so much other stuff that we don't even go to it anymore to find its truth for us, its solutions for our life. But instead, we may, make, may we make commitments in this moment to be both listeners, hearers, and doers of your word as it does its work in us. 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.